If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today's guest is Kim Walness. She's going to talk to us about being on the United States equestrian team, and it's a little bit of a story. You know, it's it's one that is not just because she had rich parents who took her around and, and she had a string of horses, but a little bit more than that, which I think is good. But we'll start off. How are you today, Kim? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much, Glennis. Fantastic. Kim, your favourite quote, what have you got? My favourite quote is this. And I whispered to the horse, trust no man in whose eyes you do not see yourself reflected as an equal. And that was said by Don Vincenzo Yobi uh, around the early 1700s. Yep, yep. And I think, Kim, because you do instruction, you know, you, you not only teach classical dressage or show jumping, eventing, but you also do live coaching as well. And I think um, this might reflect a little bit of that. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Now, I often ask people about how they started with horses, but I'd like to know about how you started with your horse, Grey Goose. The Grey Goose. Yes. Tell us a little bit about how you came across him and, you know, what the story is with him. Okay. Well, I had had a horse. Uh, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. who was a part Arab, who was uh, a very, very difficult uh, horse. I won't go into the details, but but he was very much a rogue. Yep. Like he would pick people up by the shoulder and shake them. Oh, and wow. I, uh, and so we had this uh, transformative experience, he and I, and we ended up bonding. And uh, it was sort of like the Black Stallion books. I mean, I could whistle this horse up out of a 200-acre field yep. and jump on him with nothing, not even a rope, and go do stuff. So, you know, transport a few years forward, I'm um, married. I have a, a, a three-month-old baby, and my husband is sent to Ireland to start up a new factory. And, of course, we go with him. Mm-hmm. And in the yard where we would rent horses for hunting was this... There, we went there one day and all of these horses were milling around in the yard. They were all over the place. And over the top of these horses' heads, I see this dark, dark gray head with a bump between the eyes and the ears flat back and the eyes all squinty. And it reminded me so much of that <laughs> horse from my childhood. Yes. And I said, who's that? And it was a three-year-old that they had brought in to take to uh, a breeding show. So then... Two years later, I, I didn't see any more of the horse. Uh, I continued to ride at that stable. Two years later, I came back from a very serious injury. I had to go back to the States to rehabilitate, and I came back, and I said to the owners of the stable, I would really like to have one horse to work with, not just work with random horses, but one I can really take on and, and train. And they said, pick one. And that horse was back in the yard, and I said, I want that one. And they said, no, you don't. You don't want that one. <laughs> He's really tough. And okay. I said, 
oh, sounds like my other horse. Yes. So that was the gray goose. Okay. okay. And I ended, I ended up riding him for mm-hmm. the people who owned him, the, the stable owners. I ended up riding him for a year, and we went through turmoil. Oh, my God. The horse dumped me every day for quite a <laughs> while. He bolted off. He was terribly, terribly frightened, this horse, of everything. He was he was so determined to keep himself safe, and his way of keeping himself safe was to bolt. So he could he could jump anything, um, but he was not very readable, as you can imagine. Mm. They, they tried hunting him, and that was a fiasco. And uh, he if he, he would jump one round of show jumping clean, but after that he would just knock all the poles down because he would be angry. He'd already done that, so why would he do it again? Um, but and I used to go home to my husband, and he'd say, "How did it go with that horse today?" And I'd say. God, I feel so sorry for whoever buys this horse. He's just a mess. Mm. He fell down a lot. He was very uncoordinated. So uh, I, I fell in love. He was very comfortable. So for my my broken body, he was a comfortable ride because he had a long back. Yep. And I had had this dream of being on the United States Equestrian Team for many years, ever since I first heard about it, ever since I first learned about the sport of eventing from reading a book. Right. I was like, oh my God, I have to do that. And so I was always looking for a horse and, and you know, I was just nobody. <laughs> well, you weren't. You're a pony mad girl who'd read The Black Stallion and someone who had a dream and that you need a dream to get started. Yeah. Well, this was my dream, and it was incessant. It, I lived it, and I breathed it. It just was something I knew I had to do. I had this driving desire. So I knew Gray was fast because from all the times he'd run off with me, and I had wind <laughs> tears. You know, my eyes would be streaming from the wind, mm. and I knew he could jump anything. I knew he could jump very high because nothing would hold his horse in. If he got frightened, he would jump anything. Mm-hmm. He once jumped over the corner of a bill of a of a of a shed, and he cleared like eight foot six wow. to get away from fog. Wow. He was terrified of fog, if you can imagine. And uh, I knew he was comfortable for dressage, even though he wasn't a very, he wasn't a graceful horse. Uh-huh. And so I talked to my husband, and we agreed, to, he agreed that we could buy him and bring him back. And I named him the Gray Goose because he was known as the Gray Horse. So I called him Gray already, mm. but I called him the Gray Goose because, number one, he was such a silly goose because he was scared all the time. Mm-hmm. And number two, he he was so lacking in grace walking around. But when he ran and jumped, he was like, you know, it was like geese waddle on the ground. They don't look so caught, but yep. man, when they fly, they are just the epitome of grace. So I, that's how he got his name, the Gray Goose. So. That, wow. that was wow. the beginning. Wow. Okay. Okay. And we did our very first event. Mm. Uh, I had never evented when I got him, and we did our very first <laughs> event in Ireland together. Yep. And it, it, magic happened there because after about the third fence, or maybe even the second fence, Gray decided this was the best thing anybody had ever done with him in his whole life, and he started looking for the flags. Okay. And instead of being, you know, like, uh, resentful and resistant and I mean he really didn't like people very much mm-hmm. he loved this sport and so that then things started to shift with us and we brought him back to the states okay so. okay now you'd heard about 
United States equestrian team. How did you find out more information yeah. about it? How did you know? I mean, how did that come about? Because the reason that I keep asking you, Kim, is that for someone that's ridden, and we'll sort of get to how you did so well soon, but people often think that it couldn't happen to them. You know, it can't happen to them because they don't have rich parents that can take them around everywhere. They don't have a string of horses, all the things they don't have, but you had none of that. All you had was a dream and a horse that you'd bought, you know, and this was what, your second horse, your first actual eventing horse? He was my first actual eventing horse. Yep, yep. But I had had uh, a few horses before that, okay. starting from when I was 16. Okay, yes. okay. All right, so your first actual eventing horse. Tell us, keep going, tell us a little bit more now. Okay, so we got back to the States, mm. and I had only done the one event, and that yep. was in Ireland. And so their, their novice-level eventing is sort of between our training and prelim. It's much higher. And okay. I, I was terrified. So I thought, I'll start Grace, because he's in a new country. The ground is harder. I'll start him at novice level here. Yep. And that was a huge mistake, because the jumps were too low. And all he did was bolt with me. So uh, we were, okay. I could okay. steer him. I couldn't stop slowing down. <laughs> I only had a plain snaffle in his mouth and I'm five foot four. So yeah, I only okay. weighed 110 pounds back then. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he, he, uh, he just, I mean, we literally, Linus ran a jump judge up a tree. We came so <laughs> close to mowing him down. It was, I'm like, I said to Jack at my, my uh, then husband at the time, I said, Okay, this is too low level. We have to go higher. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's not okay. interested enough. So then we bumped up to, to a training level. But the first training level that we did, I was pregnant. Actually, let me think about this. Maybe we did, I, maybe I did one training level at the end of that year. And yep. then I got pregnant. And my with my second child, mm-hmm. and my husband said, "Oh, he would take him training level, but he bowed a tendon in the dressage ring because it was really muddy, and you know okay. we rode on grass back then." Yep. When he came around a corner, and he bowed a tendon. So uh-huh. uh, while I was pregnant, I nursed Gray back. You know, I took care of him and hosed him and walked him and poulticed him and did all that stuff. And then I, um, my son, God bless his heart, came a month early. So I didn't miss the whole of the fall season of eventing. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> so we would walk the courses with a pram, and Brian was in the pram, and our daughter uh, was four at the time. So mm-hmm. she was quite capable of, of going around with us on foot. And yeah. I would nurse him between dressage and show jumping or, or, or cross country. And um, and he, would, he did better at training level. Okay. And I didn't keep him there too long because – Again, he'd be finishing the course going, is that all there is? Yeah. And in in so along the way, we were always last in dressage. Gray uh-huh. was, he just, it was awful. He and I fought when it came to dressage, and I didn't know what I was doing. I would get books, and I would read, you know, all these classic books, and I would read them, and I would bring them out to my outdoor arena, and I'd put them on the top of a of a post and I put a rock down so that they wouldn't blow off. The pages yep. wouldn't blow yep. in the wind. Yes. <laughs> I go, yep. okay, I'm supposed to do this and this and this. All right, great. Let's go try. And I'd ride at a time of day where I could see my shadow. So I could see, did I That's look like amazing. the pictures, which was yes. no, yes. <laughs> but I'd get as close as I could. Yep. 
So we kept on like that. Uh, oh, but although we were last in dressage, we would often win uh-huh. at these lower levels because yep. the other horses were knocking down rails or having problems, and we didn't on cross country, yep. and we didn't. Yep. So then we moved up to preliminary, and at an event near our home in the mountains of Virginia, um, there was a, the local pony club put on an event, mm-hmm. and uh, my husband helped build the jumps, and we, you know, we were pony club instructors, and I rode in that event, and the technical delegate for that event was a man who was very well known in the, um, you know, he knew all the people in the USCT, yep. and he watched us go cross country, and I got a phone call that night after mm-hmm. the event, and he said, do you know what you have? And I said, well, I know he's pretty special. He said, he's very special. Would you consider selling him? And I said, no, <laughs> he's my horse. I, this is my dream. Yep. But then the next day, Mike Plum called me and wanted to know because this gentleman okay. had called him yes. and he wanted to know what I sell the horse. He hadn't even seen him. Yeah. And I said, no, but we were on the USET radar at that time. Good. So yep. that was very exciting to me because you asked, how did I, you know, what had I known mm, about the mm. USCT when we came back to the States and I would go to events, the big events, and yes. I would watch them, the advanced level ones. And when I was pregnant with Brian, I couldn't do the riding toward the end. So I would go to these competitions and walk the courses and and watch and watch. And so every now and again, I would ask people who were on the team or knew you know, or, or were spouses of people yeah. on the team. And yeah. I would say, what does it take to be on the team? And they yes. say, well, you've got to have a lot of money. You can't have any children because you're going to be gone all the time. <laughs> yes. And you've got to have a string of horses yep. and you have to have people, you know, who are known so that they know your reputation. And I didn't have any of those in the mountains on a 17 acre farm. Mm-hmm. I had eight oil drums and um, four sets of standards, and I had four locust posts. Those were my, those ones, and four locust posts were my cross consensus. Yep. And I had um, eight poles for my show dumps. Wow. And I just moved them all around. We had very hilly land. I was blessed with steep hills. We had a runoff from the interstate, so I had some water I could work through. Mm-hmm. And we were bounded by farms, and those those farm owners gave me permission to condition on their land. So okay. that part was good. I had roads to work on for road work, but I did all of this at home. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have a beautiful set up sand dressage arena or an indoor arena ah. and you didn't have, you know, you didn't no. even have proper jumps. You're just jumping, you know, a couple of oil mm-hmm. drums and sticks and things. So you didn't even have jumps or a jumping course. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Yep. Yep. <laughs> now I did, I would trailer every night, you know, because we lived in such a remote area, Yep. there was a man who lived a few hours away who had built a low level cross country course. So I okay. would go visit. He was very helpful to me, Bernard Hilton. He was very helpful, mm-hmm. very encouraging. And, um, and, but when we would go to competitions, they'd all be like eight hours away. We'd pack up the kids and the dogs and off we go. Yep. You know? Yep. <laughs> And get home in the wee hours of the morning on Monday, and Jack would have to go to work. Mm. So it was, uh, it, but it was a dream, and and my family was so supportive of me in this dream, and and we we put every penny we could toward it. Yep. And um, and that 
went all the way through. Oh, so in 1978, the World Championships was held at the Kentucky Horse Park. And yes. of course, we were there to watch. Yep. And I walked the course with Jack, my, my um, then husband, and, mm-hmm. and I said to him at the end of the course, and it was a horrific course. It was really amazing. And I said to him, I don't see one jump out here that Gray and I couldn't do now. Yeah. We couldn't do them as a course now, but we could do the fences as, as single yep. entities. I said, but next year, next year, I said, I'm going to be here. Mm. And he was like, yeah, right. <laughs> Which is, by the way, that whole time I had that dream, I quit telling people because they all laughed at me. Yes. And even my husband was like, yeah, right. Mm, mm, <laughs> but mm. I just took it step by step, Glennis, to answer yep. your question. Yep. I had to go get over my fear of jumping, you know, amazing <laughs> obstacles. I had to... Um, I, I just had this drive, and I, I what really came out of my relationship with Gray is that his fear and my fear, we both had a lot of fear, but through trust, we transmuted that fear into courage. Yep. And that's what helped us to fly together. Mm-hmm. So a year later, a year later, I was at the, at the first... Um, competition held at the horse park after the world championships it was run at intermediate height but it was most of the fences from the course they only took out a couple that caused a lot of trouble like the serpentine that a lot of horses fell at that that was not a well-made jump and and you know what we came in second wow wow Hmm. so now i was on everybody's radar Now I was on everybody's radar. And and more than coming in second, the conditions were brutal. It was uh, 90, the temperature was in the 90s. It was held in May, and now it's in April. But this was held in late May. Mm -hmm. The humidity was terrible, and the horses were coming in. Um, I went to ask the vet before my round. I said, what temperature are the horses coming in at? And she said 107 Wow. And I said, what do I do? What do I do to help my horse? And she said, everything that went against everything I'd ever read and been taught. She mm-hmm. said, get a manure basket full of ice and water and as many towels as you can beg, borrow, and steal and find anybody who will help you. And you keep, you throw one towel on and somebody else takes it off and you keep the horse walking and you keep throwing this ice cold water all over him. Okay. <laughs> and yep. at that time, we were, you know, told something very different. So we did that. And and Gray came in at 107, just like all the other horses did, but he recovered very quickly. And mm-hmm. I had conditioned him. This is what other people hadn't done. I knew it was going to be. See, because I didn't know anything, Yeah, I used my common sense. Mm-hmm. So I said, of this competition, the weather's going to be horrid. Yes. I am going to condition in horrid weather. So mm-hmm. I lived in Virginia. And I couched, and the hottest part of the day was when I worked gray and conditioned him. Okay. So we knew how to deal with that, and we built our bodies up to it. So he was the only horse to make the time. Of all the different divisions, he was the only horse to make the time. Wow. And we came in second in in our division. So then I got a telegram from the USET and Mm. Jack Lagoff inviting me to a training session that went in... February of 1980. Mm-hmm. So that was how we made it to the team. Wow. Wow. 
If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Yes, just asking people and being persistent and um, good. How long were you on the team for? Six years. And also, what did you do while you were there? Because you, you did quite well while you were there as well. Yeah, so uh, 1980, um, I was asked to be on, the, you know, after the training session. Yep, and 1980. Then I did well at the selection trials. And, and so uh, that was the year of the alternate Olympics. Mm-hmm. And Jack Lagoff and his incredible vision decided not just to take an Olympic team over, but to take a younger team over and compete at Lumulan the okay. week after yep. the alternate Olympics. So I got to be part of that, of that younger team. Mm-hmm. And so I think great. And I came in like 10th or something, you know, we didn't do spectacularly, but it was our first time in international competition. But, but, you know, completing a course at that level. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it was fun. Yes. <laughs> it was yes. fun. So then this next year was uh, 1981. And again, we went over to Germany and uh, maybe the first year I, I, I was further down the line. I think I was 10th in 1981. Mm -hmm. But in the winter between 1981 and 82, when that fall, when we came back from competing overseas, I said to my husband, and by this time we were living in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. So the weather in Connecticut in the United States in the winter is brutally cold, like, you know, 10 below zero, Mm. 10 Mm. below zero. And Cold weather, sleet, snow, all that stuff. And again, I didn't have an indoor. I only had an outdoor. And and I said to him, I've got, I am riding from my intuition with some knowledge that I'm gaining from, you know, working with Jack LaGoff. And, yep. and I couldn't go train all the time because I had these small children. I yes. couldn't go yes. away. So I said to him, I must learn the science, and then marry the intuition to the science. And he agreed, and we pooled our resources. And I went, I found a classical dressage instructor, and I went to her three days a week. Mm-hmm. And I often took both Gray and his half-sister, and I would often take a lunch lesson on one of her school horses. Okay. The other two days of the week, the other two days, I went to a show-jumping instructor who had worked with Reiner Klimka in Germany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was in in the you know he was within a half hour of my barn. Dressage instructor was about an hour, and he would build on whatever the dressage instructor had taught me. He would incorporate that into jumping lessons. Okay, and and often it was difficult because it was winter in Connecticut. So sometimes I would trailer my horses, and then it would snow while I was having my lessons, and I would come out, and I'd have to trailer home in the snow and park the trailer at the bottom of the hill because I couldn't get up and unload the horses. And so I did all that, learned tons, and we won two out of three selection trials in 1982. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were on, we were the, we were selected to be on the world championship team that yep. was going back to Germany. Okay. Right. And, and this, yeah. So do you want me to keep going off this? Uh, look, I, I think so. And I think, <laughs> you know what, the really big thing is that, you know, you started off, you had everything against you. You had to ask people about how to get onto the team because you didn't even know your horse. Right. You, you actually have gone before you even 
started these regular dressage lessons and jumping lessons and everything else, you're already on the team. But even then with, mm-hmm. with okay, so you're on the team, you want to go all out with it, it's still a hard life and you're still there, you know, with a couple of young kids. So it really, it sort of flies in the face of everyone who says, I can't do it because of this, I can't do it because of that, because you're still doing everything against great odds. You know, you, you're... um. Yeah. There's a lot of persistence there that you've said, right, this is what I need to do, and you've just kept going. So I think keep going with the story because you're telling us the sort of the what was going on in your life at that time. You know, this is how it was. It was hard. It was outside. It, you know, it was cold. It was bitterly cold. Yeah. I think keep going, Kim. I think it's a good story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is an interesting chapter because – uh, the week before we left for Germany, uh, well, for France. So mm-hmm. I think we went over maybe five five or six weeks ahead of the World Championships to get the horses acclimated. Yes. And I did my last show jumping school with that show jumping instructor, and Gray shied at a shadow between, you know, I was doing a combination between fences, and I fell off. Mm-hmm. And I landed on the jump standard and broke two transverse processes in my back. You know, those little bones that stick out from the spine. Wow. That the muscles attached to. Yeah. So I had to call Jack LaGoff and say, "Uh, I had an accident and this is what happened. Yeah. And he said, okay, let me make some phone calls. Uh, Because we were supposed to leave like in a week. Mm. And he called the people at the USET and they didn't want to send me because it was too great a risk. It's mm. a lot of money to send a horse and rider over sure. there. And he talked them into making a deal that I would sign a piece of paper that said someone else could ride my horse, um, you know, while I healed. Mm. And then if I could not ride him in competition, someone else could. Because he mm-hmm. really, everybody wanted to ride the Grey Goose by sure. this point. Mm. And I said, yes, I would sign that paper. And so uh, the team sent us over. And this is where an awful lot of persistence had to come into play. I was in a lot of pain. And uh, I couldn't, you know, you have to do a lot to get fit enough to do a four-star level event. Yes. And I couldn't do anything other than walk. Mm -hmm. That was the only thing I could do. So I walked and walked and walked while those bones were knitting. And... I called Sally Swift, who was a friend a friend and a mentor of mine, and yes. I said, you know, what can I eat that would help? She said, all the beets you can eat, so I ate beets. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> and I love the way that you just, you know, you don't know, so you're asking people for advice. You're doing what you can do yes. within the within the limitations yes. that you have. You're still doing whatever you can do. That is, that's, you know, I had two mottos, Glenneth, mm. yep. during this whole time. One of them was, where there is a will, there's a way. Yep. And the other motto, the other thing I said to myself was, why can't I have my cake and eat it too? <laughs> why can't I have a family? Why can't I? <laughs> yes. Why can't I have these children and be on the United States Equestrian Team? Yep, yep. So, so, uh, so I'm over there doing this, and uh, uh, partway through, Jack Legoff sent me to the jockey's hospital in Chantilly, France, and they did some x-rays, and the because they're used to people riding there, huh? Yeah, the jockey's yeah. hospital. Yep. And 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 that doctor said to me he would not advise me riding in the world championships. So 
uh, I held it together through the taxi ride back to our um, barn where we were, and I walked into Jack LaGoff's trailer, and I burst into sobs, and I said, he said, he doesn't think I can do it. And and Jack LaGoff looked at me, and he said, what do you think? And I said, I can do it. Mm, mm, <laughs> he mm. said, "Yep, we'll give you a, one more week off of gray. He said, we'll yeah. give you one more week of healing, and then we'll put you up, and then you can tell me whether yes. you can do this or not. Yes. So I, I, that was it. The tears dried up and out I went and I was renewed determination. And when I got thrown up on gray, you know, the, um, it, it was the best feeling in the world. Yeah. And gray was so happy to have me back up on him. And I could feel him saying to me, I will take such good care <laughs> of you. <laughs> and he did mm, mm. <laughs> things that he normally would have spooked at. Yep. He didn't. Yep. You know, he was really careful with me. Okay. So I found out I could sit the trot. I could jump. I was okay. Yep. So we went to the world championships and I, um, I think I jogged him. I think I jogged him. Um, yes, I did the first time. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so we were accepted and we were the, an- the team anchor. We were in the anchor spot, the fourth spot. Okay. And we went in and did our dressage. And don't you know, with all that work, we came in second wow. in the world championships in wow. dressage. Wow. I, I was, nobody was more, oh, but I have to tell you real quick, Gray came in and he was a little bit looky at things, but not, in, he wasn't like, he was still quiet. He wasn't, mm-hmm. he didn't have that pizzazz that you need to do well, but he was terrified of the red geraniums with the letters. <laughs> so I banked him off of A. Coming in, I got him really close and he sort of, you know, I got, oh my God. Geraniums, <laughs> and he was, and he stayed up for the rest of the test. I yes. just got him really close to him. <laughs> okay. okay, so he came in second. Yep, and yep. then cross country, the roads and tracks went well. The steeplechase went well, and then uh, we came to the cross country. And there was um, a farm complex halfway through where there were two really big tables going down a slight incline. Mm-hmm. And when Gray jumped those. especially the second one, he stood off and made a really big leap. And when I really went forward with him, Mm. those bones came apart. (sighs) Okay. So when he landed, Mm. I had no left side anymore. I had no strength in my left leg or my left arm. I was just like, oh God, all I could do was hold on and steer. And Mm. I felt gray, understand what had happened. And and he was like, I'm going. And I said, okay. <laughs> so, so we did the, that, the second half of that course, including a really stiff water jump with me hanging onto his mane and steering him. And he just flew around. Now we had a few time penalties because yeah. of the little hesitation there. Yeah. Yeah. And that, bump, that bumped us down into third. So all Obviously, I was in an awful lot of pain that night, yeah, and yeah. and the whole of ne- the next day. I mean, that is that was really uh, a challenge. Mm-hmm, it was a real mm-hmm. challenge to get through that day because yep. I I couldn't even sit or stand. I had to keep moving or yep. I couldn't get going again. Okay, okay. So I just kept, you know, and we couldn't. I we couldn't go to the hut. There was nothing to do. You, there was nothing to help. You know, you can't mm, have a brace mm. or anything. Yep. I, I did have a back brace, but we didn't want the authorities to know because we were afraid they'd tell me I couldn't go. Yes. So, 
uh, all the writers knew they, they were very helpful, but they, you know, what can you take? There's mm. nothing. You, mm. You're under international rules. You can't even take anything. Yes. Yes. So, you know, not, I think maybe aspirin. I think I could take aspirin. Mm-hmm. So we were the third to last people to jump and Gray was so careful and we went around clean and came in third and the wow. team came in third as well. Wow. Yeah, great so story. That's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, oh, really, really you know, good when, story. When your I think horse, you've done so much, yeah. When you have a relation, yeah, when you have a relationship with your horse, when yes. they really trust you, then they will go to the ends of the earth for you. They're mm, amazing. Mm, mm, mm. I think you've proven that, you know, just that persistence, determination. People will tell you you can't do things, but you've just got to, well, just ignore them. <laughs> you know, just I think you, you had that internal strength. To just keep going. Keep on keeping on. Yep. Yeah, that yep. inner yep. strength. I, as I've gone through life, I've come to realize that, yes, I I may not have a lot of outer strength, but I do have inner strength mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that has been honed over time through various and sundry challenges. Yeah. yeah. There's sort of quite a few questions that I was going to ask you, but I think it's just such a good story, Kim. What I'd like to do is get you back another time and, um, you know, talk to you a little bit more. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be the best way to say, right, well, this is the story of Grey Goose. And, um, yeah, wow, what a story. Yeah. And then we can go on with the story of the horse who followed him. Yes, yes, okay. Good heart. Yes. All right. All right. No, that'd okay. be great. That'd be really good. I think it's just a really good story to finish off and we'll come back again and we'll find out a little bit more about, yep, the horse that followed him and a little bit more about what you're doing, some of your training techniques and, you know, some of your specialty sure. areas. But meanwhile, Kim, if people would like to contact you, how can they do that? They can do that um, through uh, email, which yep. is, uh, well, my website is uh, www dot the way of the horse dot com. Yes. Okay. So the way of the horse dot com. Yes. Yep. And uh, my email is info at the way of the horse dot com. Okay. Good. Good. And those details will be on your page, which will be horsechats dot com slash Kim Walls. Okay. Yeah. Or just go and search for Kim K I M, and you'll find those details. And um, yeah, we'll get you back again, Kim. That would be really good. So looking forward to talking to you again soon. I am as well, Glennis. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.